Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by nobody, and I'm a little nervous about the way my voice might hold up given the way the last couple shows have gone, but I will fight through this. Uh, we'll call it my, I guess, flu game, though I'm not hungover. Uh, I don't know. We'll just we'll just make our way through this. Today's show, we have... I was So what happened over the weekend, for whatever reason, iTunes was doing this weird thing where it wasn't showing all of the questions. And then yesterday, uh, for yesterday's show, Pete and I were going to open up the mailbag and answer some of those questions there. They weren't on there at all, uh, the iTunes questions. So today, I look on there and refreshed iTunes a few times and found that, okay, yeah, all the questions are now completely uh, loaded and I (laughs) what feels like three weeks behind. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get to our first question here. This comes from Saul the Kid. After watching the Lakers vs. Clippers and LAFC finally beating the Galaxy in the same week, uh, I realized that we're, as in Los Angeles, the only city that has two teams for all sports. So can you guys rank the L.A. sports rivalries based on the current competitiveness, history, fan base, etc.? Lakers vs. Clippers, LAFC, uh, Dodgers uh, vs. Galaxy, Dodgers vs. Angels, Kings vs. Ducks, and Rams vs. Chargers. Uh, All right, yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough because a lot of these teams haven't been uh, good at the same time and also... Like, technically speaking, I could say that these teams aren't all from the same city. They're from the same region, right? But Anaheim and Los Angeles with the Ducks and the Dodgers, or the the Ducks and the Angels and then the the Dodgers and the Kings, it's kind of different, right? It's not not, not truly a cross-town rivalry the way that the Lakers and Clippers are, whether it's a a cross-hallway rivalry. Uh, But... I'll 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 rank them as best I can. I would probably say that none of these are very good. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I think Lakers Clippers is the best one given the current competitiveness between the two teams. I think I would I would say that. Uh, I would say LAFC and Galaxy is maybe the most fun rivalry. Those games look incredible. Uh, actually, Jen and I got really into them and, and plan on going to one of those games next year. Uh, I would probably go Kings-Ducks third because of the overall competitiveness between those two teams, and then uh, Dodgers, Angels, and then finally Rams, Chargers. That's how I would put that. Let's go to the next question here. It comes from uh, a bunch of emojis in a row. Uh, so first off, love the podcast. I've never been a podcast guy. Now I found myself listening to your podcast every morning before work, and I really appreciate how you guys have it ready to go for us people on the East Coast. Well, thank you for listening. It was cool listening and then randomly hearing your question being answered. One, I have no idea why my name pops up as a bunch of emojis. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I definitely need to figure out how to change that. Two, if you could pick any Kobe, number 8 or 24, to be on this Lakers team, which would it be and why? Three, be honest with were you behind the commercial break with the Lakers playing? Uh, or were you behind the per- commercial break? Oh, was I behind? Like, is it, was I responsible for it? <laughs> That's a funny question. So I'll start with one, uh, with two, because I don't know how to fix one. 
I would have number 24 Kobe on this team uh, because of, uh, of his abilities to, to facilitate. I think the, the Lakers could really use another facilitator in that role, though this team is also really building its identity off of the defensive end, and number eight Kobe was an outright monster on that end. So either one, I think I go number 24. Uh, and then for the third one, no, I wasn't behind it, but it was funny. I literally just, I had to tweet, ha ha ha. You know, I just, I, I just had to laugh at, at this one as it happened because as that was popping up in, in the commercial break, uh, I was getting ats all over the place about how it was happening, and I, I, I found that really funny. Uh, somebody with the Lakers, maybe you guys are, are are listening. That'd be kind of fun to think about. I doubt it, but it's kind of fun to think about. Uh, he, J, F, uh, baby. Hey, oh, hey, hey, J, F, baby. Uh, hey, Anthony and Pete, I'm all here for the KCP slander, but let's give credit where it's due. His positioning on help defense has been really good in terms of bumping down on the rolling big and stunting to shoot at shooters to buy teammates an extra second in closeouts. Let's give him some props for the defensive showing he had against the Jazz. No, I this is this kind of goes back to the way basketball players are kind of perceived that like yes, KCP the way he plays offense and the way he's produced on offense has been maddening. Uh and and the way he does those things while the game matters is even worse, right? Because, like, everybody could have called, anybody could have called against Memphis when the game got out of hand and KCP just started dropping buckets from everywhere. Like, of course that's how that happened. Uh, But the point here being made is absolutely relevant. KCP has been very good on on the defensive end, and that perimeter defense has gone a long way to make the Lakers, I think they're like fourth in defensive rating right now, maybe even third as I record this right now. Uh, that's impressive stuff, and I think KCP has been a part of that. It's going to be interesting to see now that Kyle Kuzma appears ready to come back on Friday uh, how that is going to affect everybody. I do think KCP is going to have a, a few fewer minutes. I think JaVale McGee might lose some minutes there. It's going to be interesting to see how all this goes down. But, but yeah, I, I, I do think some of the KCP slander has gone too far. But when he, like, shoots in a pull-up three-pointer in transition, sorry, man. Like, of course you're going to get the draw the ire of, of Laker fans either at the game or everywhere on Twitter. Uh, that's just how that's going to go, and, and he needs to be better about that stuff. Uh, let's take a quick second here, and when we come back, I will continue answer to I will continue to answer your guys' questions. Today's show is brought to you in part by MyBookie. Uh, MyBookie.ag is the place to go if you want to put money on games and get your winnings in a quick and timely fashion. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to to kind of put my money where my mouth is in some of my thoughts on the Lakers. Um, I took the Memphis, I, I, I took the points with Memphis in the first half and then uh, took the Lakers and the points in the second half in last game and I was able to win a couple times. Nothing quite like, you know, actually putting some of your theories to work in a way that you feel that immediate gratitude or, 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 or 
satisfaction for. And my bookie helps make that happen. When you bet with my bookie, you win, you pay, you, you play, you win, and you get paid. They are the best app out there for getting your money in a timely fashion when you win. And, and really, that's the entire purpose here. As you guys noticed, I'm, I have Matt on these shows uh, as a regular guest to come on and talk about how to bet the Lakers. If you want to put some of that stuff to work, some of that knowledge to work, use mybookie.ag. And use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA uh, to double your, your, your cash input. So, again, that's mybookie.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag to, uh, today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Big J, Big J, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight writes. Uh, I don't want to hate Frank Vogel, but he's giving me flashbacks of Luke. I know Kuz is out, but some of these rotations are worrisome. I mean, those four guard lineups with KCP and Bradley at forward are a tire fire waiting to happen. Our guards are our weakest weakest link, so why the hell is he trying to play all of them at once? Uh, at least give me some Danny Green or Jared Dudley out there. I think that's fair, especially regarding Dudley. Uh, just, I, I just think it's it's really important to have somebody who thinks like a veteran out there, and, and Dudley definitely does that. Uh, though he does have his limitations too. He's not an athlete. He's not. He's not. He's a well below average NBA athlete out there, and and I think that does kind of show up every so often. Uh, that said, Kuzma is going to help in that regard. In this regard, Kuzma returning. Uh, and again, he's coming back on Friday. Uh, for those of you who missed that at the end of the last segment, the big news of the day was that Kyle Kuzma, per Shams Karania, is going to play against Dallas on Friday. So that's great to see. Uh, but what Kuzma returning is going to do is it allows you to have a secondary creator out there. And I think that's something that those four guard lineups have, have missed. Uh, it was funny when the Lakers had... You know, Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels and KCP and Danny Green out there. You have technically four guards, but Anthony Davis was out there, and he was pretty easily the best ball handler of that group. Uh, so Kuzma coming back is going to help in that regard. And and the other thing, too, that I always talk about is how uh, Kuzma just – is a you know a wing he is the size of a wing whether it's playing with the small forward whether he's going to be playing at the at power forward whatever he's big enough to make players think out there in the perimeter and i i think the the lakers are really going to uh enjoy having that back so i do think we're going to get fewer of those those four guard lineups but i don't think we're going to go away completely or the lakers are going away going to go away completely from the four out lineups there's a, a, a difference there is that four out lineup you can imagine what that means you have four guards who who mostly play on the perimeter surrounding a big uh, or four shooters surrounding a big. Obviously, with the four guard lineups that the Lakers have played, it's basically that concept. It's just that they are identified as guards, even though they can't quite dribble like guards need to be able to. Next question here comes from uh, Roberto Jones. Hey, Anthony and Pete, love the show. What can Laker fans do to cr- help create uh, Darren Collison to the Lakers' buzz? We need to start speaking this into existence until it becomes a real thing. He retired. 
he's apparently done. He wanted to devote himself, to, I believe, to his religion or either his religion or family, one of those two things. He would have been – well, what was wild with the with, with Collison was that he did that in an offseason. He was probably going to be the most pursued of, of any of the offseasons he's been a part of the NBA for. So it's it was an interesting decision. Uh, the Lakers could have definitely used him. A lot of teams could have definitely used him. Uh, it just doesn't appear that that's going to be the case. And then he also has some some uh, domestic violence stuff uh, in his past as well. Uh, I also, just in general, though, I guess Brian Windhorst went out there today or earlier today or yesterday and said something along the lines of the Lakers prioritizing another ball handler and a wing defender in in you know the trade or buyout market and that the two pieces that teams are most interested in right now are Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green all of that doesn't even have to be a report I could have reported that stuff um and and a lot of it is just common sense and the Lakers and this is going to be something that they run into and there's a question coming here in a bit as to asking basically why the Lakers can't just trade KCP for Andre Iguodala now well, for one thing, all the contracts that they signed in the offseason have to they have to keep those on their books until at least I think December 15th. And in some of the guys cases because of the type of contracts that they signed, those guys are going to have inherent no trade clauses because it would sacrifice their bird rights. So I, I, what, what you're going to have to wait for, what the Lakers are going to have to wait for, uh, is for the buyout market to start taking shape, and we're probably still a good month or two away from that happening as well. Uh, all right, let's go one more question here before we throw to the break. Jeffrey Blum writes, Hey, long-time listener, big thanks to you guys having just moved to Colorado after spending my whole life in L.A. You guys keep me connected. I'm Glad we can help. Anthony, your solo pod game has been getting better and better. Props to you on that, and congrats on the baby. Thank you for both of those things. Two questions for you and Pete. Uh, first question is thoughts on Dwight playing over JaVale as the as a, the big off the bench in the second half of Utah, and two Vogel talked after the game about balancing the physicality of Davis at the five. Uh, seems that playing eight uh, playing the four puts him in more post ups and with less spa- spacing to work with, big in the dunker. Uh, Whereas at the five, he's playing pick and roll with more space. There's a physicality of defense, but he looked fresher in the second half in, in your, his this uh, reader's eyes uh, because he didn't have to go against one of the bigger centers in the league. Thanks again, you guys. Thank you. So I'll answer the first one. I actually wrote for Silver Screen and Roll that uh, Dwight really should be starting for the Lakers at this point. The, uh, the numbers are, are pretty insane. Pete and I actually talked about this in yesterday's show. And after doing more research, as I wrote this article for Silver Screen and Roll, the numbers really jump out at me. So let me just pull those numbers up really quick. Uh Right now, the starters are playing at a negative 8.2 rating. Uh, they are the, the lineup that has been used three times as much as the next closest lineup. So that's not great, right? That's why the starters actually do matter. Uh, it's nice to be able to say that, like, it doesn't matter who starts a game, it matters who finishes it. That's not necessarily true because of the way most starting lineups are used in the NBA. Uh, let's look at... McGee and the starters specifically. When 
he is out there alongside Jane, LeBron and AD. The Lakers have a basically even net rating. Uh, but when you put Howard in there in McGee's spot, that jumps to a plus 45.8 net rating. That's insane. Their defensive net, uh, their defensive rating in that game, they're giving up 66.7 points per 100 possessions. That's incredible. Now, again, small sample size, uh, and, and that's how most of these stats are going to go. That's going to be the caveat for all of these stats. But that's some really loud information. And then let's look at JaVale just side-by-side, either James or Davis by himself. So JaVale, alongside uh, LeBron, the team is playing at a negative 4.3 net rating, meaning they are giving up 4.3 points per 100 possessions. Uh, Davis and McGee, those teams are giving up 6.1 points per 100 possessions. If you swap out Howard for either of those, or for, for McGee and either of those pairings, uh, James and Howard are, are playing at a plus 35, 31.5 net rating and Davis and Howard are playing at a plus 59.4 net rating. It's just way too loud to at least not be thinking about it. And and really what it comes down to is is probably some politics here. Uh, JaVale is the incumbent. He was he was given this thing. Uh, Frank Vogel says he likes to look at rotation stuff in increments of five games. Feels kind of arbitrary, but whatever. Head coaches do this kind of thing all the time. But I think what, what we're looking at right now with Howard is is a player who is just better probably than JaVale. I thought I didn't think that I would be saying that heading into the season. And also a player who is smarter than JaVale and is using that you know, wisdom on on the defensive end, especially to really wreak havoc out there. And the Lakers would be better off if if they inserted Howard into that starting lineup and used that starting lineup the way that you would normally use a starting lineup. Um, let's take another quick second here, and when we come back, I'm going to keep on answering your guys' questions. Blum's question here regarding Anthony Davis at the five and the type of minutes that he's playing there. While I agree with parts of it, right, that uh, it does look like he is playing a lot more inside against, you know, fours and, and their matchup hunting, which forces a different kind of offense than he plays. And he looks fresher in more of a pick and roll type of setting. The Remember in yesterday's show, Pete and I talked about how Davis has really bad energy control, right? Instead of shot control or or shot choice, he has really bad energy choice. And you kind of see that sometimes with him at the four where or at the five where he just can't help himself. If if he is thrown a lob, he's going to go up and get it no matter what kind of weird position that puts his body. If if he's rolling to the basket and he thinks he can get to the rim, he's going to contort his body in ways that he feels like he has to to make that happen. And And I think part of that is because when he's at the five, it's in minutes that the Lakers really need him to be there. So I think I think there's something to be gained or something to pay attention to there with how the offense looks and how cluttered the key, the, the key gets with him at the four. But 
him at the five puts him at risk in different ways that could actually, while they're less physical because he would be going against undersized fives, while they're less physical, it does put him at risk at some sometimes even trickier spots than, than the way he plays at the four or the way that we think fives usually play. Let's go to the next question here from Phil F. Hey, Pete and or Anthony. With the emergence of Dwight in the second half lineup change against the Jazz, is JaVale McGee's role on the team in danger? Well, to, to kind of pick back up off of the last point I was uh, making or I made and you know, in regards to the information and, and all the net rating and, and lineup combination ratings and, and pairing ratings, uh, if JaVale isn't able to play at a positive rating alongside LeBron James and or Anthony Davis. There's a there's a case to be made there that he at that stage isn't an NBA player, right? Not to I and again, I think over time he'll start to figure things out a little bit better, but like this is the case against Rajon Rondo is that Rondo has somehow or last year somehow made it so that LeBron James was as good or, or the lineups that LeBron James and Rajon Rondo played in that those teams eventually were as good as last year's Atlanta Hawks. And uh, if, if JaVale is, is going to be that version of himself this year, then yeah, I, I do think his role on this team is in danger because Kyle Kuzma is going to come back and if Kuzma is going to be playing four, that means either Dwight or Davis are going to be playing more at the five. And, you know, given the way Dwight is playing and given the fact that you just don't want fewer Anthony Davis minutes out there, well, the only person to lose spot, the only other person to lose uh, their spot in that rotation is JaVale McGee. Uh, I, I don't, I would like to, Maybe I'll, I'll I'll probably go back and look at this kind of stuff, but I do want to know kind of what's going into why Javale is bad. If it's just energy, then then that's on him, you know. But if it's a matter of fit, if he's being asked to do things that maybe he shouldn't be asked to do, then okay, then then you know maybe the Lakers can tweak things here and there. But what I'm a little nervous about is that a lot of Javale's struggles have come because. He isn't trying hard enough, and that's just if, – if JaVale McGee isn't giving you energy, then he isn't giving you much of anything else. And if in order for JaVale to be an effective player in this rotation, basically the equation was always pretty simple. He and Dwight Howard are going to split, you know, like 40 of the 48 minutes that you get at the center spot, and of those – 40 minutes or 20 minutes with each between each of those players there then that means you know JaVale has to just play his ass off for those 20 minutes and Dwight Howard has to play his ass off for those 20 minutes and maybe JaVale got more of those minutes to start the year and Dwight got fewer of them and maybe that is why Dwight has been able to be more effective in the in the maybe lower minutes that he has played with uh, then then Javale, but but right now I have a bad feeling that Javale is just not playing hard enough, and if Javale isn't playing hard enough, he's not an NBA player. He just he has to be an energy guy, an athletic freak who is everywhere, and if he isn't, then then it's going to look a lot like DeAndre Jordan right now.
Let's go. Uh, next question here comes from Christian Des. Is it too early to think that the Lakers are looking like a type top three seed? Dwight is proving all of Anthony's initial reactions that to the signing uh, were wrong. Uh, fair. <laughs> AD needs to forget everything lethal shooter taught him. Uh, LeBron should transition to mainly deep post, lower type scoring. Vogel's experimental rotations in game two made more sense than any of uh, Luke's entire season. I, th- I think those are all different questions, but let's answer the top three one. Let's look at the teams in the West that the Lakers are competing against for a top three seed. The Jazz have looked... Not as impressive, or yeah, the Jazz have looked not as impressive as as maybe we thought. They were a team that people thought would kind of race out in front of everybody on their way to a top three seed. Uh, The Clippers, as I record this, are getting ready to play, and Kawhi Leonard is not going to play because of load management. Well, then... If you're going to have Kawhi load management games and you're going to have Paul George load management games, well, how often are those guys actually going to play together, right? Uh, The Denver Nuggets haven't looked as impressive as maybe they would like to or, or people thought they or I thought that they might at this stage of the season. I thought... They would come into the season kind of hitting on all cylinders, and, and they have not. Uh, Jokic looks just like flat-out fat out there. And if I mean, maybe he's going to play himself into shape, but that lowers kind of what we think their win total might be. So like, I, I think I'm more optimistic about the Lakers being able to get a top three seed than I was heading into the season. Uh, though these things change. Like, at some point, someone is going to tweak something, right? At some point, the Lakers are going to start handling their own load management. They're, they're, they're going to start figuring out how they're going to look in, in those moments, right? So we'll see how that looks as that happens for the Lakers. But, you know, for now, the, the first few games here have gone about as well as you could hope for. And some of the teams that the Lakers needed to not come out gangbusters haven't. And that might allow for the Lakers to be able to take advantage over the course of the season. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, (laughs) KCP's Anklet writes, Anthony and Pete, I'm curious on your thoughts on the Lakers wearing purple, their home opener. It almost seems sacrilegious to me that they wore their gold home jerseys against the Clippers on the road and the atrocious purple ones for their home opener. How do you think the jerseys selected on a game-to-game basis uh, since there is no longer home or road system in place? Thanks and go Lakers. I mean, we we talked about this for for the other mailbag. It seems to have really struck a chord with everybody that the Lakers are are still doing this kind of thing. It's it's not. I don't think it's necessarily even just a Lakers decision. I'm pretty sure it's Nike who is who is doing this kind of stuff. I'm I, I so I wish the Lakers in this system would wear their purple uniforms more often than they did last season. Uh, that said. The Lakers are one of the few professional franchises that their home jersey and their road jersey are both really good. Like a lot of a lot of professional and, and, and college or whatever, a lot of these franchises and organizations have just like straight white jerseys for uniforms for their for their uh, home uniform and i i'm not cool with i i just don't think white uniforms are all that great 
So uh, the fact that the Lakers aren't going that route kind of puts them in a weird spot. I, I, I wish they would do it, but but overall, it doesn't really bother me all that much. Not 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 as much as I I think it have it bothered Pete. Jay Everett writes. Uh, hi, Anthony. I want to say this is the best Laker podcast. No uh, cap, which apparently means no lie. Uh, if you haven't heard it before, I haven't heard that. That's interesting. No cap, huh? Can we trade KCP for Iggy and someone else like maybe Rondo's? Uh, okay. Uh, so KCP and like Rondo for Iggy, basically. Uh, so we can have some space to open up. So, so all right. The cap stuff on this was um, is kind of off. For one thing, trading for Iguodala is damn near impossible. He's making like $17 million this year, and the Lakers don't have many enough contracts that aren't from like useful players that can add up to that. Now, maybe they could trade KCP, and maybe they could trade Rajon Rondo, but the other thing they're going to run into there is because of the deals that they signed, they, are, they uh, essentially have inherit no trade clauses so that gets complicated as well really what this is going to come down to and i'm not even going to address carmelo because if carmelo was so what we're seeing from dwight right now is a player who uh was humbled because of the process that of everything that things have gone on in his life and came into this year willing to accept a role that makes him more valuable to a winning team if Carmelo Anthony was willing to do that, if he was willing to do everything that Dwight was willing to do, some NBA team would have signed him already. The problem is he he isn't willing to do that. It, one thing you can tell that Carmelo Anthony isn't really willing to do that is because of the stuff that he's like working on in his quote-unquote workout vids. Uh, those, those highlight videos, they're all like the same crap. It's all the... It's all the Draw or the 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 uh, chop step, you know, pivot, 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 shoot a mid range jumper, you know, follow a jumper here, follow a jumper there, and it's not necessarily any of the things that if I was an NBA team I would care to see from him. Uh, Dwight though has shown up, he has proven, and even it when Carmelo was signed or if he's signed. Like, he would have a lot to prove, and there's a chance that he might not be capable of proving that stuff. So I think that's what we're kind of running into here with Carmelo. So I don't even think it's it's worth thinking about him for the Lakers. And and if there was a team, by the way, that, was in, that might be interested in Carmelo, it would be LeBron James' team. But obviously, based on maybe conversations that those guys have had together— Maybe it doesn't seem like Carmelo is that interested in, in accepting that role, and thus the Lakers aren't all that interested. I think it's pretty telling that the Lakers specifically aren't interested in Carmelo. But just in general, to get to the larger point here on this question, the Lakers aren't going to be able to make too many trades here given their the, the status of their draft capital, player capital, young player capital, uh, contracts that they have signed, the, the the number of people who might be valuable but are important parts of the rotation. Like, you can't trade Danny Green unless you're getting, like, Bradley Beal back. You know, if, if you're trading away Danny Green, like, you have to make get somebody who makes up for the loss of Danny Green. And I just don't think that player is, is necessarily out there. So... 
what the Lakers are now forced to do is just wait out the the buyout market, and and right now it looks like they're able to at least tread water. The nice thing is they have this nice easy opening to the season, and they can kind of tread water. They or, or do better than tread water. They can really take care of business here, and then when the going gets tougher, their team can get better. Uh, as you get later into the season, more guys get bought out. You get more situations where veterans aren't happy. Like the Lakers just played against the the Memphis Grizzlies, and I don't think Jay Crowder is going to be all that happy in Memphis for too much longer, right? Uh, so either Crowder and or Iguodala might hit the buyout market, and the Lakers might have options, right? Obviously, the preference is Iggy, but you could do worse than than Jay Crowder. Uh, and and I think where where the Lakers currently find themselves is in a good enough spot to be able to handle this early slate and then as the season gets tougher, continue to improve their roster over that stretch. Let's go one more question here before my voice gives out completely. Gregory writes, so I was thinking since Josh Lloyd broadcasts his podcast on YouTube as well, uh, and Pete got his great reaction over Skype watching <clears throat> you do math, uh, I think all of us listeners would sure love and deserve a live show as well. This is just a what if kind of question. Uh, if we bent, if we went back uh, in time and things were different, how do you feel it would fit with either uh, LeBron? Or with LeBron, either D'Angelo Russell or Lonzo Ball. Don't get me wrong, I'm loving our lineup now. Just wonder sometimes if that if this didn't work out and the Lakers still had LeBron, who would have fit best next to him? I think D'Angelo Russell is at a stage of his career where he's more ready to play with LeBron James and yet think that if Lonzo Ball continues to develop, that Lonzo Ball is a better pairing with LeBron. So it's just a matter of which do you prioritize. Do you want to optimize the team as it is right now with D'Angelo Russell? And the other thing, too, is not all things are equal here. D'Angelo Russell is making, like I think, close to $30 million this season. Uh, so... Would you rather have D'Angelo Russell on $30 million contract or Lonzo Ball on like a $7 million contract? And that one there gets really easy, right? Because that means you can have a better team around them. Uh, but if all things were equal, I, st- I would probably take Russell uh, and and hope the defense isn't that terrible. Uh, to get to the first part of that question, I am working on a few things to, to lining a few things up to maybe do some live shows. Uh, whether that be like in person in, in in a bar type setting, or whether that be like over over Skype or using my Patreon, whatever it might be. Uh, but as soon as I figure that stuff out, I will let you guys know, and we will work that out together. Uh, thank you guys very much for sending in your questions. Quick reminder, even while I play catch up on all of these questions, uh, that if you guys have any questions. Leave them in the form of a five-star review on iTunes, and I promise I will get to them. Uh, there have been some people frustrated that I, I have skipped over questions or whatever. I promise you it hasn't been on purpose. As we've seen over this weekend, iTunes, uh, their, their question or their, their review system isn't foolproof, so sometimes questions just, just don't pop up. But to the best of my abilities, I'm trying to get to all of the questions that I possibly can, and, and here we are. Have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. We'll talk to you tomorrow.